0: Right, okay. Welcome back to the love triangle. Uh, I'm here with Tom and Amy. Hello, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi. So a bit of a bit of a dull. What a miserable week weekend. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, from Town's perspective, we should have got three points.
1: Leeds lost. Yeah. I mean, same old story. Seventy mm. percent possession, no goals conceded from a set piece.
0: Next. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Bradford scraped a draw against. Yeah, it's gone off.
2: Best front two in the league can't score.
0: Yeah, do you want to start us off, Tom, and tell us what happened, what went
1: wrong for Leeds against? I mean, Charlton. The same thing that seems to be going wrong over the last six months for Leeds. Really, it's just gone from panic to anger to just acceptance. Just it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Nothing means anything anymore. Um, yeah, it's, uh I mean, same same plan as always from Bielsa. Only change was Hernandez. Just got a minor injury, so Costa got his first league start of the season. Yeah, but he struggled to really have much of an impact on the game. I saw someone
0: on Twitter saying our oh, same old story: Hernandez
1: is out, and we can't do anything. Is that actually the case? Or? I mean, I think it. The way the game played out, I think it probably would have been the same whether he played or not. We had, I think, we had three corners in the first ninety seconds, and they were like just getting him away, getting them behind again. For it. and you just think, oh, they're on top of these, but no doubt, first chance they get, they'll score and. They did set-piece half an hour. Kassia makes a bit of a, an error for it. Um, mm. And then they go 1-0 up and then they can just, they've got a lead to defend then and we have to try and break them down. Um, Bielsa made a quite big tactical um, shift at half-time. He took, he took Shackleton off and brought Forshaw on, which is a straight swap in midfield. Uh, but then he took Alioski off and put Nketiah on. So that's the centre-forward replacing the left-back. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't really work. It's probably one of the first times where he's made like a big tactical shift. So what did he do? Go to three at the back, was it? Sort something? of, yeah. Phillips sort of... It, they, they put started to put Phillips more like at right back. Okay. Moved Dallas across to the left, and then we had two up front, almost like a 4-4-2. Yeah. But like obviously with cost a bot, I mean, Harrison bombing on, so it turns into a 4 4 Just like a total overload. And on. it just didn't work, any, and he brought, then he took Bamford off and put Roberts on. And sort of switched it back to more because Robert's plays like as a ten, but it just nothing worked. Again, crosses into the box, just being headed away. Their keeper made a couple of wonder saves. It's just the way it's been. At the minute I mean, in all seriousness, we're two points off the top after nine games. Let's not get ahead of ourselves and say the dream is over already. But the something is going to have to change in these games. We've had someone put on Twitter the stats for the Swansea game, the Charlton game the Forest game and the Derby game and we had between 69 and 72% possession in all those games loads more shots than the other team the other teams all had one shot in each game and we picked up two points from those four games Yeah, and it's just like hopefully it's just a blip and they work Bielsa can work out a way to get behind these teams and create like easier goal scoring chances I don't know in that
0: game against Charlton though, it sounds a bit like Bielsa's almost doesn't really know how to solve the problem because I think so. from what you're saying he's kind of throwing people into different positions and being like oh god maybe this will work maybe that'll work
1: yeah, yeah. I think so I think there's a it's it's troubling him I think and he's he's basically sat down his press conference and just said we had more chances than them but we couldn't take our chances it's basically it's the same thing Which that's said, been yeah. happening so I mean there's not a lot you can really take out of it in terms of analysis that hasn't already been said three or four times this season and wasn't said 10 or 15 times last in the second half of last season. It's one of those where you feel like they need a big win. They've got West Brom this week, who are unbeaten, who are top of the league, At Atalan Road. It feels like it needs a performance like we put in against them last year when people were starting to question them, beat them 4-0 and played them off the park. Do something similar this Tuesday and you feel mm. like it could get them back on the bike but it needs something it does need a jolt because at the minute i was like i was saying last week i think it's starting to get into the players heads a bit get the crowd as soon as they miss one chance the crowd think oh it's one of those days again it's just like everyone needs to settle down i think at the minute and at the minute it it just feels like everyone's treading on eggshells no one's quite confident enough in the final third to to get the ball in the net and, and then get the result that we need.
0: It should be a bit more of an open game, that one, though, shouldn't it? West I, Brom have
1: looked good. so I, mean, I, I saw them so. against
0: QPR. They, I watched that on tel- telly. and they, uh, They're they quite an attacking force as well. So unless they just, just try to frustrate you, which is a little bit of a dangerous game against Leeds, especially when you've got some quality in attack, yeah. you'd imagine they will try and...
1: You'd think so. It should, it should be a game that suits Leeds more. Obviously, yeah. the, the issue is that they have a, a lot more quality in forward areas than a lot of the teams we've played so far this season. and we're not exactly watertight at the back, we're solid enough, but we're, we, we're conceding goals, we're conceding at least one goal in most games. So yeah, I mean, I imagine it'd be quite an entertaining game, it's on the TV, um, if people don't fancy watching the Champions League and watch <laughs> league instead. Um, so yeah, it should suit us in terms of creating chances, but um, as I say, they're they're a good team, I'm not taking it for granted that we're going to roll them over like we did last year.
2: If Huddersfield can score two against them then uh... well yeah exactly
1: then it's six it gives <laughs> anyone hope then doesn't it. I mean scoring goals hasn't
0: really been so much <laughs> of a problem for us it's like, which is which is a good thing really we are scoring goals so I'll as soon as I mentioned us, I'll come on to Huddersfield now because we played uh, Millwall and it was a 1-1 draw but it, it was so frustrating because uh, we sh- we should have come away with three points and that would have you know with the Stoke result and everything that would have just lifted us a little bit, and it would, and it was Millwall. They were, they were pretty rubbish. They were exactly what you'd expect from Millwall. They just ground the game out with some dirty tactics and hoiking the ball high all the time. It doesn't and sound like them, exactly. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's just it's such a cliche with them, isn't it? But yeah. it's so true. You know, and it's it, effective for him in terms of them staying up. It's like madness. Three or four years now straight in the yeah,
0: league. Yeah, yeah, it's madness. I mean, we the, to be fair, we worked great in the first half, but. Um, you know, if you st- if you don't concede, then you, there's always a chance you might you might score a goal. And uh, Jaden Brown, who was brilliant for Town playing um in uh, left back, he uh, he made an interception. Got it, Grant kind of like just skipped into the area and squared it to Campbell. And that's you know if Campbell's going to score, he's got to score those ones. Just tapped it in, and uh, we're one 0 up. So again, we're in that situation where we've got an advantage, which we are finding ourselves in quite a bit. Um. And yeah, it's um it's just frustrating the way that we didn't kind of push on from there really. We we you know, it's it's that old that old kind of adage, you just oh, you know, we need another goal, we need another goal and um it just didn't quite happen. And obviously Millwall get the equalizer when Grabara goes to catch the ball and I can't tell if Matt Smith got a little bit of his head to it as well and knocked it out of his hands, but from where we were, it just looked like he just dropped it. It was one of those where it looked like it might have been a foul on the goalkeeper, but essentially just dropped it, and Smith just like taps it in. It's twice the size of him, Smith. Yeah. Grabao's
1: not the most heavyweight goalkeeper, no. is he, around? So. We're a bit
0: naive, because we were giving away corners quite a bit, and free mm. kicks as well, which is exactly what they want, because they just want to hoik it into the big men in the area. So, um, yeah. so But, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's massively frustrating, because we we outplayed him in, in the second half and we just looked so much stronger and so much technically better than they they did obviously Di, um Car came on and they were just bringing him down because they couldn't handle his pace so obviously that's what led to the uh, sending off um he burst through i think he he was brought down just professional fouls at least three times but the the one for the the red card he's, he's just he's just basically tearing through their team yeah. and the guy just um hacks him hacks him down, so he's he's off. Uh, we couldn't capitalize on it being ten men either, but it's yeah, it's annoying because that would have made a big difference. Like I said, it would, you know few, three points would have just lifted us. I don't think we'd have we would have caught Barnes, would we? We would have just moved up no. away from Stoke a little bit more uh, going into this next match against Stoke. So yeah, Danny Simpson started as well instead of Hudders and I, which I think pleased quite a lot of town fans because he's very unpopular at Huddersfield. But uh, Simpson, I would say, was he looked like he was lacking match practice he he was a p- bit wasteful with the ball looked a bit you know off it yeah but it was still i think it was something that just lifted the team a bit it was just having him in there because yeah. he's obviously got tons of experience um so yeah he wasn't he wasn't awful or anything yeah he, he had a pretty good game but um we'll see how he gets on yeah he probably a bit defensively probably was a bit better than what and I has been before so uh, but again, I felt like we lacked ideas in attack. We didn't go, we weren't going through the middle enough. We, we're always going wide. We're always going, trying to find that little, you know, round the back kind of
1: thing. And it's... That's the way the Cowleys, I think, play quite a bit at Lincoln, I think. They're yeah. Like, they're, they're, a di- they're a direct team that, that go at oppositions and like they attack them. Yeah. Um, and that's, it sounds like if Brown had a good game at left back and if Simpson can get up to pace and obviously you've got Grant on the left... Then it yeah. might be a decent way to go if, if, as long as Campbell can put the ball. Yeah, because you're
0: playing. We're, we seem to be playing like four two three one. So like Campbell's yeah. playing as the striker, and then you've got Grant on the left side, and I think it was O'Brien was playing behind. Yeah, and then um, on the right was Kachunga, which is it's not like that, that's quite quite a lot of energy. It's, it's there a, it's and, a
1: it's a working sort yeah. of. Front, like Those three players are free. very strong physically
0: yeah. as well. They've got a little bit of pace, but they're also very strong, so they can really, you know, mm. um, trouble defences. Um, and also having Hogg and, you know, Chalaba behind them. Again, that's. that's it's, I mean, you know, when you say it, when I'm saying it now, I think to myself, that sounds like a good team to me.
1: Yeah, I won't say it would frighten anyone in terms of creativity. But totally, when, yeah. you, when you're where you are, it's the kind of midfield that will keep the ball and we'll work yeah. hard to get it back off opposition and stuff like that it's workmanlike it's not yeah no there's, know, not, there's not Barcelona the creative, like spark, yeah. the creative spark the creative
0: spark's missing it is yeah. missing definitely it's just um, but they're all capable like yeah. proper, really capable in, in championship level so um, so yeah I would say individually it was again it was a case of we looked strong but um, obviously Grabara drops the ball and to be honest I don't think he should have conceded that corner it was a long shot and it looked like it just caught him out a little bit. And he. if you look at the replay where he tipped it over the bar, it wasn't really that far from where he was stood. It was almost like one for the cameras. Yeah. Uh, so conceding that corner again led to the goal, which is a bit frustrating. But he's a young keeper. It's, you know, we haven't got a great deal of options when it comes to keepers anyway. So, yeah, uh, there was two. We could have potentially had two penalties as well in the second half. So, uh, Grant went down. He seemed to get clipped. Um, Referee wasn't going to give it. I don't think he'd have given us a penalty. You know, if we'd have been there all day, um, Carbys was just outside the area when he got hacked down as well. So that's. Uh, but there was a couple of others that were f- potentially there. So yeah, we could have come away with three points. I've said it already like twice already. But it's it, it's just so frustrating that we haven't won that game. Um, but it's Stoke up next, so that's um, you know big big six pointer as they call it. Uh, we'll see how we get on. Um, so yeah, Amy Bradford. I watched a few of the highlights of this facing ten man Scunthorpe.
2: It's appalling result. It's an appalling result. Mm. Um, the thing is as well, it's that we it's just not taking our chances. Um, so we played against ten men for I think best part of an hour, and just we were creating chances, of just not taking them, which is ridiculous when you got James Vaughan up front and Clayton Donaldson up front, which are the best. Do you know? top the best two strikers in the whole division yeah um that
0: donaldson had her at the far post was shocking wasn't it he should have yeah that.
2: that's that's the big one the thing is he's um he gave an interview um about it was his 600th professional game and he's like 35 now and they were like oh do you know the key to me is that i never give up and it was like do you know he needs to be putting those chances away it doesn't matter if he's 35 like do you know my Anybody could have scored that, really. <laughs> yeah, it could have just it's, hit him and gone it's in. Just, it was just, it's so frustrating to know that he's capable of scoring that in his sleep, but he hasn't. And, do you know, there were quite a few other chances. Vaughan hit the post as well. Um, it's just typical that McArdle, who used to play for us, it was a scum centre-half. He got hauled off against ha- against us at half-time last season, um, had two shockers. And then this time around, he was, like, the best player on the pitch absolutely threw everything in front of that ball to stop us from taking three points and I can't remember who it was that said it but one of the players said after the game come April or May it might be a really good point um, but it's just to create that many chances against ten men it's happened to us already when we played Cambridge on the first day of the season and we were down. they were down to ten men only for about twenty minutes but it was a case of how can we not beat this team that we're do you know, we're at home in front of all these fans, and she can't beat this team. And did you feel
0: like um, Scunthorpe's penalty was justified? I mean, it was. Uh, he he did kind of have his arms out. Didn't yeah,
2: he? I mean, this is the thing. Like, you don't want to sit here and complain about a penalty decision because it don't matter if that penalty goes in. We should be winning the game yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um. So it's just a frustrating one, especially with Swindon coming up and a chance for us to get two wins back to back going into quite a big game against Swindon who are up there and it's kind of a missed opportunity really yeah so it's a frustrating one and James Vaughan picked up another needless booking and now he's banned for the next game so it'll be Donaldson and a young lad we've got on loan from QPR up front who we've not really seen much of at all so it's a chance for him to really show what he's about so hopefully he'll have a bit about him. And really have a bit of hunger to play because Vaughan's picked up a lot of really needless cards and he's captain. So I mean if he wasn't captain, he'd have picked up about ten. Because he just he just seems to pick up these cards for absolutely nothing. And it's whether he's been a pain and trying to wind up the defence or whatever, but
0: He's a bit like that though, isn't he? It's just a bit, of a a yeah, a bit of a nuisance. It,
2: it just seems like a bit useless really. realistically.
0: Yeah. You, so, st- you 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 need him playing, don't you? Yeah. You need him playing in every game, really. So
2: and he's he's not captain for no reason. He brings something else to the pitch as well as being, you know, the player he is. So it's a frustrating. It's re- it is a really it's an appalling result, realistically, considering Scum 4 as lot the second from bottom in the table, and it's just a game that you should be winning.
0: Yeah, who scored City's goal? Do
2: you remember? It was Paddy O'Connor, a little tap right. in uh, from the centre half.
0: Yeah. But you're disappointed. Two points lost there.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Um, So, yeah, we haven't got a lot more (laughs) to say about this. (laughs) I do not want to talk about
2: it anymore. Let's talk about something else.
0: Yeah, which is convenient because we have got something else to talk about this week. With um, the decade rolling to an end, we're going to talk you through what we deem to be our teams
1: of the decade. Uh, Tom, do you want to start with your Leeds team? I can do, yeah. So this last decade for Leeds has been mediocre, to say the (laughs) least. This is a mediocre team. Because we got promoted right at the end of the last decade. And we've never really flirted with relegation. I mean, a couple of seasons where we've sort of started to drift a bit and you thought this could go really wrong if they don't pull the socks up. And fortunately they have. We obviously had the Monk season where we were in the playoffs all year and then fell out right at the end. And then obviously last season we'd be elsewhere. we finished third, which was by a country mile the best season we've had in the last 10 years. But it made picking this team quite difficult, A, because we've had some wholly average footballers play for Leeds in the last decade. And I didn't want to go lean too much on the current team because it is, in terms of performances from certain players, it is like, a lot better than anything we've had the previous nine years. But I didn't want to just pick them just because it's sort of recent and it's fresh in the memory. So I tried not to, but a few of them made it in. Yeah. So goal, start in goal. And I mean, this is the most average position we've had for the whole 10 years. I had to go with Rob Green, who only played for the first season. <laughs> but he was easily the most consistent goalkeeper we had. He made one bad error in a defeat to Newcastle early in the season. But apart from that, he was brilliant. And towards the end of that season, when it all started to unravel under Monk, it would have been a lot worse if it weren't for his performances. Yeah. Some of the other guys we've had, I was flick going through all the squads just to think surely we've had someone better than Green in the last ten years. The only other one was Sha Michael, who we had right at the start of the decade. For, again, yeah, he was I was going to ask, was he... For a one-season wonder. He mm. wasn't that
0: great, though, at Leeds, was he, at that time? he no, was quite you could green get, still.
1: You could tell he was going to be decent. Yeah. I, I don't think he really wanted to be at Leeds, particularly when he started singing songs about his dad. <laughs> Obviously, with the, they were singing songs about his dad, but the nice things about him, but he, he <laughs> took the not-so-nice na- not, like, not so nice things about his dad to yeah. heart, I think, and I think it rubbed him up the wrong way, and he wanted to get out of there by the end of that year. So it was, they were the two, it was sort of between... Yeah, yeah I mean,
0: because to be a fair, Green pick, he's got a bit of a tainted reputation, probably from his what happened with him when he was playing yeah. for England. But he's a solid goalkeeper and a great name to have. Yeah, yeah,
1: so, solid enough. And that, that, like I say, that season, other than that one error against Newcastle that was bad, yeah, he, he didn't really put a foot wrong. Saved a couple of penalties coming down the stretch. So yeah, I think he probably just about deserves it in what was the best of a bad bunch, really. Okay, uh, went for back four. Uh, Luke Ayling at right back obviously the current incumbent once he gets himself fit I remember when we signed in Bristol City we were laughing at us saying ha ha you signed our third choice left back and he's been one of our most consistent performers or sort of over the last three, four years it makes you
0: wonder how many more players are out there like yeah, that yeah exactly I really?
1: um, so yeah went for Ayling um, centre backs I went for Pontus Jansen who I was never his biggest fan but you can't doubt the impact he had on that team um, over the three seasons he had at Ellen Road both in terms of his personality but also his ability as a defender uh, and partnered him with Liam Cooper who I was re- again really struggling to find anyone who could, I was thinking Cooper's improved under Bielsa but he's still got a rick in him but then I went through our other centre halves from the past decade and it's like yeah, these guys are all rubbish yeah which is lot part worse. of the reason why we were so mediocre <laughs> yeah, yeah. at least Cooper you can tell he want, he's I think he's stepped up since he's been made permanent captain there's no doubt his performances have improved under Bielsa he's nowhere near perfect and he won't be good enough if we do go up but in terms of the last ten years, there's few who can probably there's claim probably to be lot, better than him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then again, another position where I really struggled was left back. I ended up going for Charlie Taylor, who obviously came for our academy, um, had a couple of good seasons, and then turned a bit soured towards the end when he left for Burnley and sort of he, he started not being in the team for reasons that were never quite explained, which seemed to be it's because yeah, he wanted right. to leave. Okay. but he was he, one of those. He was excellent in sort of the eighteen months he played in the first team, and again not really any other options. As much as I love Alioski, I don't think I could I could put him in uh, as left back in a team of the decade really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh went for a four man midfield. Uh Pablo Hernandez on the right explains itself he's been player this season for I think three of the four years he's been at the club. Just a Mercurial talent and we're lucky to have him. Hopefully his legs haven't gone quite yet and he can he can do the job for us this season. Uh central midfield, Calvin Phillips based almost entirely on his performances last season. If you'd said that to me a year ago, I'd have laughed in your face, but the way he's improved more than any other player in that team he's arguably the outstanding central midfielder in the Championship now, and I think it would be unfair not to have him in. If you don't go up, do you think he'll struggle to hold on to it? Oh, definitely. He's gone. If we don't go up, Bielsa's gone, Phillips is gone, Rajazhan is gone. End of story. Um, Partnered him with another academy graduate, Lewis Cook. Again, we didn't have him for as long as we would have liked, I think he's he's a player who, had he not had a couple of bad injuries since going to Bournemouth, would be in the England squad and would be playing for a top-six club. I genuinely think he's that good. Yeah. And I think he just needs a run of games for Bournemouth this season with staying fit. And he, he probably won't go to Euros or anything like that, but I think he'll then get a move to a club where people will start to take even more notice of him. I know Spurs have been links with him in the past. That seems like a, a good fit for me. And for us, he was... He, was look- he, he looked. You could tell as soon as he came into the team almost that this guy's far too good for championship yeah. level, particularly at a team like we were at the time.
0: I like players like that as well that come up through the pyramid and work yeah. hard and you know have plenty of have kind of worked their way through the divisions and work you know got into into decent sides. Yeah, and really, yeah, just worked their way to the top. You know, and mm. you can see that about him.
1: Yeah, as a grafter, it was sort of like those two and Johnny House and three central midfielders, and I just plumped for those two just because I think they had that little bit that little bit more about them as much as Howson was brilliant for us as, again when he came through became captain for before he left so yeah he, he just misses out and then on the left uh, Robert Snodgrass who obviously joined us in League One and then in our, those first two or three years when we went up to the championship was just brilliant ended up becoming being named captain before he was sold to Norwich and obviously he's gone on to be a, he's, he's had an up and down career in the Premier League since he went there but seems to be find, finding his feet again um, at West Ham, um,
0: yeah, like the fact that West Ham signed him shows yeah. the quality. That's and he, there, he could he.
1: tear defenses apart in the Championship, either playing on the right or the left. I've got one on the left just because Hernandez is playing on the right, but you easily could have switched those two over. it took
0: some abuse when uh, West Ham played Oxford last season. He came yeah. and all <laughs> like, you know giving him some some abuse for playing for Leeds, but um, you, you know you can see technically he's just a great player. And oh, it's yeah. one of those if if he gets a free kick as well, you just think oh, he's just going to whip this deadly. in, yeah.
1: yeah, he's, yeah. Do someone like that now, really. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then front two, uh, Luciano Becchio, who was our top scorer for I think the first three seasons of the decade. Um, When we came up, obviously we lost Beckford to Everton, but Becchio stuck around and was absolutely brilliant for those first few years. For a guy who sort of we signed in League One, we didn't really know much about him. He became a, a cult hero at Ellen Road, and injuries caught up with him, unfortunately, after he left. Left the club, he went to Norwich. Couldn't really get in, and then struggled then from then on. But he's seen as a real hero at Leeds, uh, remembered fondly for the goal he scored against Millwall in the playoff semi-final when we were in League One. But then, like I say, in this de- in this decade uh, since we came up, he continued that. He stepped up again in the Championship and it was probably the standout striker we've had over the last ten years. And then partnering him, it was sort of an option between two guys who were had really like one really outstanding season, it was either Ross McCormack or Chris Wood. Uh and I plumped for McCormack just because he had a couple of years either side of that one really good season where he was also one of our key men, whereas Wood literally just had one season and then yeah. and then went. And although he nearly got us into playoffs whereas McCormack never really did anything like that. McCormack just for the longevity of his performances at Leeds um, for, for me just gave him the edge I mean yeah he scored a few goals against Huddersfield as well McCormack yeah, you could argue, always seemed to score against us you could argue Roof as well but he sort of didn't have the quite the same consistency in front of goal as, as those other two guys so yeah went from McCormack to partner Becchio bit of a little and large combination with uh, Snodgrass swinging some balls in <laughs> Snodgrass and Handis swinging balls into the box seemed yeah. like <laughs> a, a decent idea for me
0: so yeah that was my team so it's still a good team. There's it's a lot. Of, you're basically saying that
1: as, as well. It's pretty much this season is yeah. It's as, pretty as, well. There's one, two, three, four. It's four players from this team plus Yanson who left in the summer. Yeah. And sort of. they could probably again. There's probably a few guys in the current team who, if we'd had Bielsa two or three years earlier, would probably be getting themselves in there. Um. It's just that they miss out because they've only really stepped up in the last. You
2: don't want to jinx them either, do you? No, exactly. You're good at that. And I mean, (laughs) there's
1: guys like Snodgrass, Becchio, who were sort of no-brainers for me, had to be in there. It was like I say, there were some particularly defensive positions where I was like rumbling around saying, There's literally no one who could play left-back here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll put it out to uh,
0: social as well and see if anyone uh, can think of anyone you may have missed off that list. I'm sure there will be. uh, Yeah. (laughs) But um, it seems like a pretty good team to me. Um, Amy, do you want to do Braffa City's team of the decade?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, it's pretty straightforward, some of these. Um, unlike Leeds, the defence is actually... The defence pretty much picks itself. It's really weird because most of our like absolute legends over the last 10 years from like the cup runs and the playoffs um, are defenders, which is a bit odd. But... The goalkeeper was hard because we've had quite a few over the last decade, we had John McLaughlin who's now at Sunderland, who's always a really consistent performer, Colin Doyle who was signed for a pound from Blackpool, Matt Duke who was really important in that, he played in the League Cup final and got sent off most memorably memorably to non-Bradford City fans. Um, But I went for Jordan Pickford who spent 2014-15 on loan at Bradford and was absolutely unbelievable.
1: Whatever happened to him.
2: Literally so (laughs) unbelievable. Like he um he he made saves that you do you know when you're in like League One League Two you just want a keeper that makes saves that they're, that they're gonna make yeah. like do you know nothing else nothing fancy just just make the Steady saves pair that of you pounds, that, yeah Pickford would like pluck shots out of the air that you were just like how the hell have you just saved that his distribution was ridiculous I was going I say it was his kicking well. game still as good then when his he was distribution was so good mm. and now like every every keeper since you just like oh, I wish their distribution were a bit better because it's just not Jordan Pickford. So like there are there are you know, it's a bit of a, a controversial one probably, because other people might go for McLaughlin or Duke or Doyle or whatever. But no, nah, pick pick. You can't was, argue with the
0: quality of that way. I mean, why is it controversial? Because he's it, on loan.
2: I mean, because he only played one year, and I mean, McLaughlin was so consistent over so many years. Duke mm. was is always a fan favorite. Doyle was class the couple of years, three years or whatever. He was he was there. Um, but no Pickford is the outstanding goalkeeper for me um, the defence like I say picks itself Stephen Darby at right back um, was captain he was here for our like, most successful stuff he was there for the league 2 promotion league cup final FA cup quarter final beating Chelsea before that and he left after we lost the playoff final to Millwall um, but yeah just an absolute legend in his own right uh, Rory McArdle next to him um, who mentioned earlier he he was there at the same time as Derby there for all that and he had some really big moments, especially in the cup runs. um next to this was this was a hard one. it was either um Andrew Davis or Reese Burke next to McArdle uh, Burke was on loan from West Ham and he he just looked like another class. Um, but I went for Andrew Davis who was just um was a big fan favorite as well. I always remember him scoring a goal from the halfway line. With this free kick that just sailed over the keeper and the keeper was just awful for it and davis turned around because he was right in front of where i was sat in the ground and he turned around and almost looked at the crowd as if how the hell has that just gone in like what is the keeper doing um he was always a really classy little player james meredith at left back he was there for the exact same period as darby McCardo for all the highs and um was just an absolutely really solid left back defensively and going forward uh we managed to, we get him from York actually. Um he's back in Australia now and he went to Millwall after we lost to them in the playoffs. So but that. <laughs> yeah everybody was a bit like, oh great but he deserved it. Like he was one of those like we were saying earlier about the Leeds, like the way that he just worked his way up. Yeah. Um I think he was in Derby's youth setup, came over from Australia when he was quite young, went and played for York. And I think even someone a bit lower down in the pyramid, and just kind of worked his way up, came through with us in League Two and in League One, and then went to Millwall and Championship. So you can't blame him as well, because I think when he moved, it was World Cup was coming up. So, um, so then playing flat four, four four two, I went for Felipe Moraes on the right rather than Gary Thompson, who was one of those heroes in all the cup runs, but. Maurice was just an absolute, he was the first Bradford City player I've ever seen do the Elastico. Um, <laughs> probably the last. Yeah, it? probably. So, <laughs> do you know, I could just leave that, that that's why he's in. Um, <laughs> for doing that skill. Yeah, that's it. That's all you need. Um, Low expectations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, he was, he, was, um, he was a really skillful winger with great end product. Um, he was there for like the win over Chelsea and the playoff final and stuff like that. He was a great player. Josh Cullen in central midfield, who's another West Ham loanee, who's gotta be one of the best players I've ever seen in the Bravest City shirt. He was just absolutely how he's how he's still playing out on loan and is not in that West Ham team is absolutely beyond me.
1: He played against us on Saturday, yeah, plus
2: Charlton. He's he's such a good player. Um, he had if he added a few more goals to his team, to his game, he would be in that West Ham team, no doubt and um, he's just a really simple, classy little footballer. he's Irish, which is a shame. Maybe England can steal him, (laughs) like we seem to be doing for everyone else, but you know. Uh, Next him, Gary Jones, who was only here for, like, three seasons, but he was the absolute captain leader of the team that got to the League Cup final and got promoted from League Two. And there's, you know, there's not really much else you need to say about him. Mark Marshall on the left, who... Is he, another th- both wingers. Neither of them were in like the the really glory days, like the promotions. But they were just like probably the two best wingers we've had. Mark Marshall actually had two feet, which is <laughs> something that League One. <laughs> like I said, the expectations is too it. pretty low. League, <laughs> League, <laughs> League One wingers do no, not no. have two that's feet. That's
0: true. That is very true. It's
2: ridiculous. Um, he like that's the thing. He used to just run and like. Defenders didn't know what to do with him because you couldn't show him on either foot because he'd just do whatever he wanted to do. Um, the amount of goals that we scored from him hitting a shot at the keeper and the keeper just flapping it was, you know, ridiculous. And then up top is the fearsome duo that League Two have never seen anything like ever again. They won't. James Hansen, Naki Wells. Ah, the old. The unbelievable. Little and large. Little and large pairing. Um, James Hansen, who scored against us this season for Grimsby obviously uh one of our (laughs) all-time top scorers he used to work at the co-op was the chant he worked at the co-op which is about a two-minute walk from you kind of plucked him from obscurity didn't i
1: i used to go watch Geisley a lot and i watched a lot of the games that season hansen scored about 35 goals and it's like when rafa picked him i was like well that's not surprising yeah far too good for now we now we
2: play a friendly every year at Mm-hmm and he just never used to play in it because it was so early in pre-season that James Hansen was just like, you know, it was when all the kids used to play. And it was like the James Hansen friendly that James Hansen never played in. Um, we still play it now. But no, he used to work at the co-op, which is like two minutes down the road from me. And when I used to play football when I was younger, my mum used to pop in and get a paper in the morning and she used to buy it off James Hansen. And he used to be like, oh, do you know, I hope, I hope she wins today. So, you know, yeah. That's my claim. I fame. love that.
0: There's there's players like him and your Andy Booths and that they, they could just like they could just be doing another job and obviously yeah. he did like you know worked in co-op or whatever. But it kind of shows you that football has that magic about it where maybe you do just have like a, a little skill set yeah. where you're you're good in the air, for instance, or something. Or you can knock the ball down to another striker and you can make a f- you can make a career for yourself in a, a you know a like, famous football team or something.
2: I did feel sorry for him for because a, a lot of the time he was a scapegoat. For as big a club legend he is, and like now, people, anybody who used him as a scapegoat while he was there, looks back on him now and like, Oh, James Hansen, what a player. Yeah. But at the time, he used to get a lot of stick for like when we didn't score goals or whatever. But he was, nah, he was a brilliant player and he, you know, he always worked hard. And, you know, he was just, like I say, he's one of the all time top scorers. Um,
0: so Naki Wells is your other
2: and Naki Wells, the well, what a, what a player, I mean
0: Huddersfield Towns Naki Wells.
2: <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to see him doing well for QPR now, because um, he went he got that move to Burnley.
0: Yeah, and but he he had a bad injury and I, yeah. I'm not really sure how we managed to sell him to Burnley at that time because I know that he he was certainly injured, yeah, and I think I mean obviously that, that he'd have had a medical and everything. Yeah, but. It was quite well known at Huddersfield that he definitely wasn't what he should be. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's he wanted the move. To be honest, because I think Huddersfield would have would have held on to him. We we did need a a striker in the Premier League, obviously. <laughs> but um, it's um, I think he was looking for that move. Maybe his agent was looking for it as well, because it was kind of seen a little bit as his last big chance to get, you know, in in a decent club. You yeah. think it was it not was a that... decent club. You know, and yeah. maybe a club that are a bit more stable in the Premier League.
2: Well, he um... He had that unbelievable thing of like he played from League Two to Premier League yeah. in like five years. Yeah. And He played a
0: big part in getting us into the Premier League. So um he he scored
2: <laughs> he's he scored forty two goals in ninety one league games for us. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. Effort.
0: Um Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean at that level you can see why he just ripped it up as well. Yeah. Only not
2: went- to score at Wembley. Which is a yeah. great what a records hold. Nobody'll ever break that.
0: It's it's a funny one with Wells because yeah, you know he had he had this amazing. I mean, it was fairy tale stuff at Bradford, wasn't it? Yeah. And his move to Huddersfield, I, I remember at the time it felt a bit strange. It was a bit like because he was he was such a figure at Bradford. Yeah. You know, he he was such an important part of that team and that setup and what everything that had happened there. You know, the trips to Wembley and all that. Yeah. And then it, I mean, in in a lot of ways, it felt pretty good because you were just like taking your rival team's best player, and we were just like, yeah, we're in the championship, so we're going to sign your best striker. <laughs> And deal he's with it. yeah, <laughs> deal with it, yeah. And he did an amazing job at, at Huddersfield and um you know he's I've mentioned him in my team as well. But he scored fifth I've got some stats here. He scored fifty seven goals at Bradford according to this. Yeah. And uh, he scored forty nine at Huddersfield. So I mean it's almost quite, you know, on par to football. He just knew where the back
2: of the net was. And my my granddad says it all the time. When we're at the game and like he used to chase down the keeper, like when the ball went back to the keeper and he he scored like quite a few goals for Either just taking the ball off the keeper or getting in the way of it and it just went in. Yeah. And every time like um a player chased it down, we're gonna go, oh, Wells yeah. scored that. I remember so his, just hit him and gone in. Yeah. He just his, had that his, sort of like magnet to the goal.
0: His first game for Huddersfield was actually against Millwall who we've just played and it was another one of those wretched games and it was last minute and the ball just went right up in the air in front of the goalkeeper. And he just it came down and he just bounced it off his foot yeah. into the bottom corner. It was just one touch like that. He just stuck his foot out and just poked it in. It was a, it was a, one of the weirdest volleys I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. But you could tell he just totally meant it. Yeah. And just peeled away and instantly it was a it was a hit at town. He was you know, it's just um, he was exactly when you pay money for, and at the time I could think it was a couple of million or something like that, maybe a bit more. And he was um, you, when you sign someone, you want them to score on the debut, don't you? Yeah. It's the ultimate feeling. So I'm pretty sure that was his debut, but.
2: He um he had that great route as well. He, the way that he came over, he really worked hard. He came through like a program, and obviously coming from Bermuda, it's not like you don't get many Bermudan footballers succeeding. No. Yeah. a real hotbed. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean he um he came up through this like scholarship program, um that we used to, we had like somebody who used to play for Bradford was like part of it, and he was playing for Ecclesville United which is, again, literally like on my doorstep home, this is random I, local I played team. against
1: them when I was a kid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> They're in like the ninth tier or something, yeah. and he was playing for them, and then he ended up at Carlisle before he actually came to us. And he didn't really hit off at Carlisle, which is, it, I mean, it could have been very different if he'd have started well there. It just, it's very yeah, strange Yeah, sometimes they just think. need a chance, yeah. don't they? A lot of strikers prove that they yes. just need a bit
0: of a chance somewhere. Or maybe some clubs just don't suit them. Yeah. They, just can't, they just can't find them uh but that's your team isn't it? yeah go on then.
1: all right i'll move on to mine Come um, on. is the fan of the only team who played in the premier league in this decade i'm expecting a star-studded <laughs> 11 on. here there's were not many, not many from the oh, premier no, league no, there I'm
2: ignoring.
0: There's, yeah there's not many <laughs> the from the decades. premier league that have made it into this team you'll be uh, surprised to hear so there's not been a lot of money spent on this team of the decade which is disappointing given there was some money spent on that team at the premier league but we'll go into that again um so in goal i've gone for it was um this wasn't that difficult. I've gone for Danny Ward, who was um, on loan from Liverpool uh, the year we got promoted. Um, he was he was he was brilliant. So I mean, for a, for a young goalkeeper, he was so mature in that season we went up, and um, he in the, when we got into the playoffs, he saved Forestieri's for penalty. Um, he's just yeah. I mean, all I, can, all I can see is just him running the length of the pitch at Hillsbury, you know, after he, because he, I don't think he actually knew that we'd won the penalty shoot out at that point, and it just suddenly dawned on yeah. him. Um, so he's he, he became a fan's favourite um, during his, his season at Huddersfield. And for me, this is an, it's a bit of a shame that he didn't then get a chance to stay at Huddersfield. I mean, he may have wanted that or not wanted that, but it's it's again the, these these players like the return to their parent club and. Then they don't really fashion a career out there. And where is he now? Leicester, is it or something? Yeah, he's back up at
1: Leicester. Yeah. yeah,
0: so he's he's like second goalkeeper. And to be honest, he he would he would still be number one at Town if we could have signed him. Or, yeah. but, I mean, he couldn't have been out of that realm. I guess we could have signed him for you know some of the money we've probably spent on other players, and he would have been a decent addition to the squad. But yeah, um, for me, it's Danny Ward. Jonas Lossel came pretty close. He you know he made that great save against um, Chelsea to keep us in the Premier League. Uh, whether that was a good thing or not is <laughs> debatable, um, but Jonas Lossel is—I mean, he played in a in a pretty horrible town team in a way that was under a constant barrage. You could see he was a good goalkeeper, though. Uh, my one of my my steps on a goalkeeper, and he absolutely idolised Lossel, absolutely or Lossel if you like. Um, uh, right back, I've gone for Jack Hunt um, from the League One promotion team. Uh, obviously jack hunt's gone on and you know played for well, went to palestinians cardiff and yeah, was been it, 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 it palestinian he got really bad injury, didn't he yeah. and yeah he's uh, he was he was great for town uh, he was a youngster at town as well which um, again fans love that I, you know i like that I like that he came up through the team uh, and again another good penalty taker in the penalty shootouts uh, buried his in the uh, final at wembley uh, which is uh, always good but it was between him and Tommy Smith. And Tommy Smith, again, was a great servant for Huddersfield. So he put in a lot of time and, um, you know, he he was great in the season. We got promoted to the Premier League as well was uh, Smith. And he scored a few goals as well. Uh, but personally, I probably just prefer Jack Hunt. Um, the, onto the centre-backs, Christopher Schindler. He's, he's pretty much one um, player of the season at Huddersfield since he joined. Been an amazing signing for us. Uh, part of the promotion team again, scored the winning penalty that got, prom- got us promoted to the Premier League. And also, you know, Dean Hoyle came out after, and this he said to him, like, why were you taking that penalty? And he was like, well, I was, I was your record signing. I thought I should take it. That's coming from a centre-back, right? That's a centre-back saying, I, you know, I, I I take that responsibility on my shoulders. I'm going to take the, the, the last penalty in a penalty shootout because the club's invested time in it. What a guy. I mean... You know, you you don't, I don't think you find these people enough in football, really. No, just decent characters. And he's he's still with us now. He's, I mean, he's he, he's he's struggling. It was awful for him in the Premier League. You could see his confidence just going. But hopefully, he'll he'll find it again this season. He to me is just is just an all round decent bloke, and it's he, he's the kind of player that any club would be proud to have as part of their team. Um, other centre back, Peter Clark, who was part of the uh, League One promotion team. And he's a real heart-on-your-sleeve centre-back, you know. He would, like, he'd he'd cut the collar off his shirt and stuff, (laughs) his tattoos down both arms, literally win every ball in the air, you know, like smash it out of the park. Um, Yeah, everyone, we loved him at Huddersfield. Peter Clark, absolute, absolute legend. And uh, he'll always be remembered fondly at town. Um, Again, he took a penalty in a penalty shootout um, at Wembley um in the league one playoff final and scored and it was a right penalty and then he went up to the fans and was proper fist pumping. You know, <laughs> everyone loves that. Um and the left back would be Christopher Lover, um, who, yeah, was um one of another one of Wagner's German signings. Uh he was brilliant. He was brilliant in the championship. He's fast, aggressive, um, great overlapping wing back. Um he just totally bought into everything at Huddersfield. He bought into uh, Wagner's philosophy as well, and I think he he only left because he was just finding it obviously losing, and it, He was just he just you know he was all about winning, and he obviously hated the fact that we were just getting beaten every week, and he ended up returning to Germany, which would have been a shame because again he would have been a good part of this team this season if he could if he wanted to stay. But um, yeah, that's my left back. So onto midfield. Um, some decent options here. So if I start with right midfield, I've gone for Anthony Pilkington, who was, he was sensational. Part of that Lee Clark team, who was just like, genuinely one of the best Huddersfield teams I've ever seen, that Lee Clark um, Huddersfield town team, because they were so creative and so fast in that division going forward. You know, there were games where I I just, I'd never felt that way watching town before. We 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 were on a different level to teams we were playing against unfortunately we we drew a lot of games and we couldn't quite get it over the line but, but pilkington would rip every team apart yeah, i mean obviously he went on to do a you play for norwich and what have you and uh cardiff unfortunately he broke his leg you know not long before he he moved away as well but the way you used to just cut inside, and he just had an, he just had one of those shots where would like a thunderbolt. Yeah, when, I,
1: when you think of Ant- Anthony Pilkington, I always think of like thirty yards, yeah. in, cutting inside and smashing it into the top corner. I don't remember the, who it was for or what game, but that's it he scored one against Sheffield Wednesday where yeah, he just cut in from the be, right yeah. and just cut in on it and just
0: absolutely belted it. And I remember it at the time. There was a pause before the celebration because everyone's like a bit like. Was that, has he actually just done that like that's gone in you know like, <laughs> it's yeah a, a, an amazing player And kind of unfortunate that he broke his leg um, but I don't know how that affected him then as he went on I mean you'd imagine it would have done but I mean I think Championship's probably about his level anyway yeah. but he's, he's, he's been great and he, he makes it in another potential there on either side really would have been Sean Scannell again who, who was brilliant at the town for season after season after season he could always open the defence up creatively um, centre midfield, Aaron Moyes going in there. Um, pff, brilliant in the Championship. Um, was one of the few players who in the Premier League looked like he was quite comfortable at that level as well. Um, scored against Newcastle, one of the few goals I remember Huddersfield scoring at home <laughs> um, with a little one-two and then curled it in and ran right over to where I was sat. And it was just one of those moments where, I, you know, whatever, forget it. It was just such an amazing feeling. And that was quite early on in our Premier League uh, Premier League life, so um, it was a, it was yeah. But he's brilliant. Obviously, he's still on the books at Huddersfield, but we could do with him back. But I don't think he'll. He probably won't be back at Huddersfield. But he sounds like a decent guy.
1: One of the most gifted players you've seen.
0: Yeah, you? I would say so. He's he's got a, he's certainly got um he's certainly got that about him. Yeah. Some players just look like they've got the vision yeah. that other players haven't got, um, and he's he's one of those. Um, when money's being spent on players, you you wouldn't begrudge any penny that's being spent on Aaron Moy because he puts it all in. You can see he's all there. You can see he's got, he's.
2: It was unbelievable in that promotion season. Yeah, I remember yeah. every time I watched for this field when you went up, I just thought, "How is he playing at this level? It was just ridiculous."
0: Yeah, bit, I mean, he is kind of he's there. He's like top championship, like you know, lower Premier League yeah. kind of standard because he's just a little bit too slow. He's not quite uh, fast enough to be you know your top Premier League, yeah. but he's. Yeah, great guy. Um, Jonathan Hogg, partnering him in midfield. Jonathan, I mean, what, what's there to say about Hogg that everyone doesn't already know? You know, he's a combative midfielder. Uh, another one that's been a great servant for town over the years, was part of the promotion team to the Premier League. Um, has had to stick out this horrible couple of seasons we've had and still in there now and battling away. Um, he's been a great signing for us. And it, to me, he's never. He's not one that's ever wavered from being a Huddersfield town player. It looks like he he's totally bought into being at this club he could have played anywhere really in the championship he could play for any championship club he wanted um, and it's an honor for him to be part of the um, Huddersfield side and he would make it into my team of the decade my other um, midfielder I've gone for Gary Roberts who would be our left-sided midfielder Gary Roberts again in League One he would always get a in. he would always beat the defender and he, most of the time when I used to sit on the kill in the bank, he'd be right in front of me and I'd think to myself, he's just going to beat, this, he will beat this defender. You know, like Peter Beagre used to do it for yeah. Bradford City. He'll just jinx, he
1: doesn't have to be quick. Proper old school winger. Yeah. yeah. He
0: just had a yeah. little skill that the defender would never quite know what he was going to do, even though he, was, he wasn't going to beat him for pace. He would always do yeah. something with his feet and he, that would catch the defender out.
2: That's what my granddad always used to say about Mark Marshall. So he yeah. just, he, this is the thing he, he always has, like, Peter Beagree as, like, his, his person to compare. It's like, well, Beagree could use both feet and yeah. do this, that, and the other. It's just like you That's just That's what Beagree that. would do. He'd just go yeah. one
0: way on one foot and then the other on the other foot. And then you and I, I saw him doing it against Huddersfield, and it was so frustrating because the defender could never get what yeah. so Never did, stop him from doing it.
2: You can't, because you, when you get a player like that, you can't show them on either foot because they're just going to do whatever they want anyway. They're just literally just waiting for you to get out of the way. Yeah. So they can just actually put the ball in the box. Yeah. It's unbelievable.
0: Exactly, yeah. And Gary Roberts was like that. And I don't think we should have got rid of him when, I don't think he should have left the club when we got promoted to the championship because he he's proved since that he's, he's easily championship quality. So um, yeah, Gary Roberts definitely goes in there for me. Up front, Jordan Rhodes. I mean, pff, what a striker, what a striker. I mean, you know, he's obviously, he went for big money uh, to Blackburn and Sheffield Wednesday. Norwich. Yeah. Is he at Norwich as well? Is it Norwich? for Norwich? Yeah, yeah. Been Norwich a a have spent some money, sense, haven't they? they? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really his peak at Huddersfield. We got him, um, Roy Keane let him go from Ipswich, uh, which uh, I th- I'm sure Ipswich fans would have been. I mean, that's revenge for Marcus Stewart, actually. But um, <laughs> it's once he came in, Lee Clark was quite hesitant to play him at first, but he, he, once he found his feet and he started playing for town, he's just he would just he's not quick, but he would just always been in the right place in the box. Head great header of the ball, great striker. Uh, scored four goals against Sheffield Wednesday once. Um, it's just uh, yeah, sensational.
2: I remember that point where like you had Sky Sports News on and the video printer would just pop up Jordan Rhodes every single week, pretty much.
0: It's one of the. It's the same with some clubs have got those strikers, haven't they? Where they, you just you know their name's going to pop up. Yeah. It's going to be if they score, it'll be that player. And it's great having a player like that. God. I love having a striker like that, and every club does. He scored eighty-six goals for Huddersfield in hundred and forty-seven games. I mean, you know, he scored 84 goals for Blackburn in 169 games. So it's, you know, absolutely epic um, striker. So, yeah, that's, he's a good one for the team of the decade. And my other striker... It's, James Vaughan's kind of on the periphery a little bit there because he was he was great for us, but um, Naki Wells would be the other one and we talked about him quite yeah. extensively as well, so that would be my team. A few of the potentials around the team there would be Adam Clayton, again, was great, former Leeds.
1: Yeah, he, I sort of consider, when I was struggling for midfielders, he was when I considered and he was really good for us for particularly one season before he, he left. Um, yeah. but he wasn't quite at the same level as the guys that I ended up picking. Yeah. Um,
0: Heffler. Was another one. I was one.
1: I was going to say Heffler was one. I thought you m- might bring up for yeah, centre backs.
0: not a gra- I mean, not a great defender. I don't think he's a brilliant defender, but he was. It was that a cult. C- up, yeah, 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 he was a bit of a cult figure, and he played played most of the season that season. We went up, um, as well. Uh, Kachunga again has been another one who's been there or thereabouts. Really, I mean, he was he was integral to us going up, and even this season is looking like a player who could be quite an important part of the team. Uh, so there's some other players there. I said I mentioned Scannell as well. He would be, he would be there, but. Yeah, so that's our teams of the decade. All right, guys, so the Love Triangle League table, Bradford City move above Leeds to the top of the table. Well, what's going on? Scandalous, but, isn't it? Yeah, two games oh, in Let's just
2: finish the season yeah. now. Let's well, just end it there. We've got two games this week, they've only got one. So <laughs> yeah, all, we'll
1: yeah.
0: see if you can get back, and Huddersfield have scraped another point <laughs> <laughs> in the right direction, but um, hopefully more more points to follow. Um, thanks for listening. See you later. I'm not afraid of